Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mindfulness with Art podcast. My name's Art, and I'm so excited to have you here to talk about some mindfulness. Um, today, I wanted to cover something that I, I definitely reference quite a bit here. Um, I talk a lot about how um, how the the mindfulness training results in sort of automatically um, a higher level of empathy and a higher level of emotional intelligence, which are enormously important for many, many areas of, of life. Um, you know, empathy and emotional intelligence can really be helpful in the workplace, um, particularly if you're a manager, but any, any workplace where you have to have people cooperating together, um, empathy and emotional intelligence by extension are enormously helpful, okay? You can, you know, certainly get so much more out of people who you're collaborating with or people who report to you or, you know, clients if you're a salesperson or, you know, even somebody in a retail situation, you know, can get so much benefit out of um, out of empathy and emotional intelligence with regards to getting the best result that they want, okay? And I talk a lot about how these things are just sort of... Um, sort of automatically derived from mindfulness training. And I want to explain what I mean by that today. Um, so before I get into that part of it, though, it's really important to discuss um, how, you know, there's, there's something I want to discuss first, okay? And that is, um, so when we sit down and we first start doing uh, meditation or even mindfulness practices, um, if you've listened to any of my podcasts before, you know that I'm uh, definitely... I advocate for a minimal amount of meditation, talking about 10 minutes a day. Um, but in addition to that, the real power of what I teach people is to, um, is to be present with all the things that they do in their lives, okay? So like whether it's the dishwashing at home or it's the uh, commuting to work or it's, uh, you know, even, you know, answering emails at the office, you know, the, these things can be done with mindfulness, okay? And, and with presence, I should say, with, with moment-to-moment awareness, okay? And, um, and it's in doing these things that a lot of times it takes practice, okay? And so what happens is when, um, you know, one of my favorite things to talk about with people is, is doing dishes mindfully, Okay, because or or taking a shower, that's an even better one. Um, We all take a shower, you know, Um, you know, some people have dishwashers. So so therefore the dishwashing might not be as universally, um, you know, applicable. So but everybody takes a shower at some point. Right. And so when you're in the shower and you want to take a shower mindfully, you want to be present with what you're doing in the shower. What that requires is for you to um, to kind of, you know, Instead of thinking about, you know, maybe your to-do list for tomorrow while you're in the shower, um, or if you're taking the shower in the morning, instead of thinking about the work day that's in front of you, you know, what you want to do is you want to focus your attention on, you know, on the sounds that the water's making in the shower, you know, and there is such a depth of, of sounds <laughs> that the water makes in the shower. If you think about it, you know, you have the, the shower, com- the water coming out of the shower head, you know, which makes a sound, then it hit- makes another sound when it hits your body. And then you have all the different areas that the water's dripping off your body into the tub. And then you have the water going down the two, the, the uh, drain, and then you have the water dripping out of the, the, the spout beneath the shower. You know, these are all different sounds that are being made, and we can, we can really be present with these sounds and really discover how deep they can be, okay? So, so that's one example of how you would take a shower mindfully. Now, what happens is, especially in the beginning, okay, these... Um, 
these things are not that easy to stay, uh, to stay, you know, present with right off the bat. A lot of times, you know, we, we're dealing with, you know, and, and you've heard me talk about mental habits a lot if you've listened to this podcast at all. And, um, you know, right now we all deal, you know, we all work from a point of mental habits, okay? Whether they're positive mental habits or not, we are dealing from a place of mental habits, okay? It's just the way the mind works. The human brain just, you know, it, it works um, on habit, uh, you know, and that's something we can get into. That's a really deep subject. But, um, but anyway, most of us have the habit of being in the shower and we're, you know, we might be singing a song or we might be, you know, kind of rehearsing a, a conversation that we have to have, or we might sort of be, you know, rehashing an argument that we might've had, or, or as I said before, we might be going over a to-do list that we have that, that we have to prepare for at work or, or, you know, what have you, but it's always sort of this, um, you know, a lot of people take the time in the shower to, to do this sort of, you know, thinking and, and, you know, and sometimes overthinking. So, so that's a mental habit. So, so in order to break that mental habit and to enter into a new mental habit that could be helpful to you in a way that, you know, like I'm saying, can increase your level of empathy and emotional intelligence, um, it requires some work and it's not always, it's often the case, not that easy or automatic right up front. Okay. So, so what I mean by that is when you're in the shower and you're, um, you know, kind of, you know, you're trying to be present with the shower inevitably. And the same thing happens when you're sitting in meditation. Okay. It's the same exact process. Inevitably, your mind is going to start to wander. Okay. And when your mind wanders, the the trick becomes to to realize that your mind wandered first of all, and then bring your mind back to the presence of what you're doing in the shower. Okay, now I know it sounds easy. Okay, and and it is. It's not. It's not very complicated, but it's sometimes not that easy to sort of do. Okay, and um, and so so what happens is though now now I've also talked about in this podcast, and I don't know if you've heard this episode or not, but there's a there's a quality of the brain called neuroplasticity. Okay, which has only been uh, universally accepted by science uh, for the last you know thirty years or so. Actually, not even it's like nineteen ninety five, so like twenty five years. Um, 24 years actually. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, so the, the idea of neuroplasticity is that, is that our brains are malleable. Okay. They are plastic They're you know, that, that if we, if we do something enough times with intention and purpose, we actually change the structure of our brain to develop new neural pathways or increase the size of various, you know, areas of our brain, which serve various functions. Okay. And so, so for that reason, there's, you know, it could very much be looked at in the very same way as, uh, as going to the gym. Okay. So like when you're, when you're doing meditation or you're sitting in the shower and you're trying to be present with it, right. Or if you try to be present with, you know, focusing your attention on your breath in the, in meditation, right. When your mind wanders and you realize that your mind has wandered and you bring it back, that is the same thing as doing a curl at the gym with a bicep. You know, like like if you do enough curls, you're going to grow a bigger bicep, right? It's just the way it works. 
the same way is that if you if you enough times you you know you you find your mind wandering and you bring it back you're going to exercise that that ability to hold your attention into something okay so so that means that you know that that when you start out your mind's going to wander a lot and so all you need to do is to sort of you know be persistent and uh and commit to the process of of improving and and through the repetition and you know like every time your mind wanders bring it back wanders bring it back that's the same thing as doing push-ups or curls or whatever you are and and you're you're building your brain in a different way by doing that so you're literally sending your brain to the gym okay now the way this applies specifically to empathy, and I'm going to get into a little bit of brain science here. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> um, but the way that that it, it, you know affects empathy is is as follows. So, um, so when when that moment comes when you realize that your your mind has wandered, okay, there's a specific part of your brain that is responsible for that action, okay, and that part of your brain is called the insula. Okay, I-N-S-U-L-A. And it's a little node inside your brain and it um and it basically is responsible for for understanding where your attention is. Okay, so so at that moment when you realize that your mind has wandered, it is your insula that is activated and saying and, and letting you understand that. Okay. Now here's the cool part. The insula is also very is also responsible for um, for monitoring your for the brain's monitoring of your bodily um, feelings and sensations. Okay, so like so when you feel um, you know like some sort of uh, you know pain somewhere in your body, you know it is your insula that is sort of transmitting that signal back and forth from your body to your brain. Okay, your insula is the one that that receives that signal and and therefore. Uh, and then distributes it to you know to the pain matrix or the or the pleasure matrix or or what have you but but it's the insula that's sort of the the you know the the real um player in that in the first step of that process okay and so now here's the thing so empathy okay and this is like founded on a lot of a lot of different scientific studies okay um so so they they've done a lot of studies where they show that um that the people who are who are most empathic or empathetic are the ones who are able to feel someone else's pain inside their own bodies okay so the more that you can feel someone else's pain inside your body like you can identify it with a physical feeling that is the person who's going to be more empathic Okay, so now <laughs> stay with me here. It's going to make a lot of sense. I'm going to bring it back home in just now. Um, so if our if our bodies, if our bodily sensations are reliant on our insula, right, to understand that and the and the ability to understand someone else's pain inside our own body, to feel it in our own body is the increase of empathy, then it stands to, you know, basically that means that, that our insula is very much tied into the process of empathy, right? Because, you know, only when you can feel that pain, which is your insula feeling it, are you going to be able to really express and feel that empathy. So <laughs> the more we try to be present and the more our minds wander off and then we bring them back, which is the insula again, 
we are we are then practicing and building up the insula. Okay, so when I say you're going to the gym and you're you're doing curls with your you know with five or ten pound weights on you know with your right arm, your right bicep is going to get bigger. Okay, so in the very same way that when you when you sit and try to meditate and you find your mind wandering and you bring it back every time you do that, it's like doing a curl with your insula. Okay, it's your insula doing a little bit of a workout, okay? And the more you work it out, the more effective and the more strong it's going to become, okay? And therefore, <laughs> you're going to have an increase without even trying. And there are ways that we can try also and, and enhance this process. But without even trying, you are going to develop a better awareness of your internal body system, Okay, so so you're going to you're going to be able to be more in touch with what's going on in your body just because you've increased the power of your insula. Okay, so what I'm getting at here is that, you know, the very process of of, you know, trying to focus your attention, whether it's sitting in meditation and focusing your attention on your breath or it's in the shower and trying to focus your attention on the steam that's building up or the temperature or the sound of the water or you're um or you're trying to focus on doing dishes instead of thinking about, you know, what's on TV later. Um when you're doing those things and your mind starts to wander, every time you realize that your mind's wandered and bring it back, that's the exercise of your insula. And the more strong your insula gets, the more empathy you're going to be capable of, okay? Now, how does that apply to emotional intelligence? Well, emotional intelligence is essentially the ability to monitor your own and another's um, emotional status, okay? And, And to make adjustments to that in order to get the best outcome of whatever situation. Okay, so this is very, very highly tied into the aspect or the idea of empathy, okay? Because, you know, again, empathy relies on you being able to feel what someone else is feeling, okay? So so right there, your emotional intelligence is tied into this and it's going to increase, again, whether you try to or not. It just kind of comes with the package, okay? Now, there are lots of pro- uh, lots of different practices that that will help enhance this process. Okay, um, there, there's some wonderful uh, specific meditations to to increase empathy, um, you know, and emotional intelligence as well. There, there's a, a number of things that I can add on to this, but I wanted to just make it very clear that just these simple acts of of simply you know doing the same practice that we're talking about here <clears throat> is going to you know not only increase your your happiness because you're going to be present with it but it's also going to increase the part of your brain which is responsible for empathy and by extension emotional intelligence okay so so what i pride myself on in my program is to be able to to allow my clients and the the people i'm lucky enough to work with um to to not have to you know we're, we're all very busy okay and uh, that's my my perfect client is the person who's too busy for meditation right because because I'm only going to ask you to do 10 minutes a day which is not much right it's not like you have to do an hour a day and then you have to do this practice and that practice and this practice 
it's really just about, like I said, whether you're in the shower or you're at the dishes or you're, um, you know, walking through your office. Like there's a way to, to walk through your office with presence and I can teach you that. Okay. And so my point is that just these aspects, these exercises alone with nothing else is going to automatically increase your level of, not only your level of presence, which is tied, which I've talked about in a previous um, uh, episode, which is tied to your happiness and your ability to become the best person that you can be, but at the same time, as a byproduct, you're going to increase your empathy and your emotional intelligence. So my point being is that without adding any stress of time to your your lives this can all be yours and it's so simple okay it's not that easy it does require a little bit of effort and um, and persistence but it is really simple and it does not add any time to your life and that is I think one of the biggest things um, so anyway I hope that all makes sense and uh, if you're at all interested in any further discussion on this, I've always given my email address and my website and everything else. Um, you can reach out and get me uh, art, uh, smiles at gmail.com uh, or uh, you can hit me up on Facebook. I have a, a fan page called Mindfulness with Art. Um, and my wife is actually in the, my wife is now taking over my, uh, my marketing and branding, uh, <laughs> duties here in the, in the, my program. So, uh, I'm going to have more contacts to come, um, different email address and different website and all that kind of stuff. But for now, you can certainly find me either at artburnsmiles at gmail.com or, uh, or just go to the Facebook fan page, Mindfulness with Art, and send me a message there. And I, I would definitely get back to you and uh, clear up any questions you might have about this and, um, and see if we can't get you started on this wonderful journey of transformation because it, it really is magic. And, and once you get a little bit good at it, just like you know, going to the gym, the first time you go to the gym, it's, it's like you, you don't see how you can possibly get through 20 reps of this, of this weightlifting you know, uh, set. But after a few weeks, it's like, I can't believe this was ever hard for me, you know, and that's the same thing that's going to happen here with mindfulness. All right. So with that, I know this was a little quick one. I'm hoping, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for you to listen and I'm really happy to be here sharing these things with you and I'll be back again tomorrow with some more. Uh, so until then, I wish you well, my friends, take care. Hello and welcome back to the Mindfulness with Art podcast. I'm so happy you're here with us. Uh, I'm really happy to be here with you. So my name's Art Burns and I'm here to talk to you uh, about some mindfulness as usual. Um, so I've made a commitment to do one of these podcasts every single day. And uh, if you've noticed, uh, I actually missed the last couple of days. And so that actually... Um, kind of ties into what I want to talk about today. It's kind of really uh, interesting synchronicity there. Um, so, you know, the thing about, uh, the thing that I wanted to talk to you about today is the, is the attitude of non-judging when it comes to uh, mindfulness, okay? Now, uh, I've explained a few times now that, um, that when, when we just define mindfulness, right, a, a couple of the different definitions that I've talked about, um, you know, they put the non-judging aspect of mindfulness right in front of the definition, which is where I believe it belongs. Because I think that non-judging is one of the most important parts of mindfulness. Now, most of the time when I talk about that, what I mean is, 
you know, non-judging in the actual uh, aspect, you know, in the practice of mindfulness. Okay, so meaning, um, you know, not to judge ourselves for having allowed our minds to wander while we're meditating, for instance, or or if we're just, you know, washing the dishes and trying to be present with washing the dishes, you know, not to judge ourselves as we um, allow that, you know, as as our minds wander uh, to a to-do list that we might have or uh, or or some uh, conversation that we're having with ourselves in our minds over some, you know, drama that's present in our lives. So, um, however, it's, you know, and that's usually where that part of non-judging is sort of uh, encapsulated within the mindfulness practice. However, um, there is a great deal of non-judging that happens outside of our mindfulness practice. And that's what I want to talk about today, okay? Um, you know, in the same way, so, so when we're sitting there doing meditation and, um, and our minds wander, if we, if we judge ourselves for allowing our mind to wander, what happens is we, we invite a level of anxiety into the equation, which is not going to help us, okay? It's going to actually make it much slower to create the positive mental habit of, uh, of, of, you know, bringing our mind back every time it wanders. Okay. So for that reason, uh, the teachers and, and the experts all say that, that the idea of non-judging is very important because you, you allow yourself the freedom to, to do the practice over and over again without, you know, if, if you're constantly judging yourself and you're saying, oh, darn it, Art, why'd you do this again? You, you're allowing your mind to wander and you're, you're so silly. You know, if you do that, then it's less likely that you're going to openly practice this stuff again, right? Like it, it becomes like sort of a, an anxiety that happens in the process of, of, you know, of bringing your mind back to the present moment, to whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's breathing and meditation, or it's, you know, as I said, doing the dishes or taking a shower or what have you. Okay. Um, so that's, that's normally what we talk about when we talk about in, in, you know, non-judging as far as mindfulness. And that's, and that's the risk of, of, of allowing yourself to judge yourself during the uh, during the practice of meditation or, or whatever other mindful activity you're doing, but the problem with non-judging on a larger scale is that judging, judgment and judging are always, always, always present when we're critical of ourselves, okay, or when we're critical of others, or when we're critical of a situation, and these things are equally as much a problem as as when we're sitting in meditation and that's and that's kind of the thing that you know so so bringing it back to what i was saying in the introduction here is that um so so i i've made the commitment that i'm going to do one of these videos every single day right and uh and so i tried to do one on saturday i actually recorded it um it was a little quicker than most of them uh and um in fact, it was only about as long as I've been talking now, you know, and uh, and I didn't feel like it was great, you know, but I was going to publish it because, you know, I made a commitment and, and therefore, you know, if I make a commitment, I have to follow through with that commitment. Right. Um, you know, so so something happened while I was trying to save it and somehow it got deleted. OK. And and when it got deleted, um, you know, then I lost it, obviously, and, and I was not able to then publish it. Right. And so um, so immediately but but however at that time i was actually on the way out to uh to go see a movie with my my children right we went to see the um uh what was it the uh 
uh, How to Train Your Dragon movie, right? Which is a really, really great, uh, great film with some amazing ma- animation. If you're if you're interested, if you little if you have little kids, they'll definitely enjoy it. So so take them to go see that if you like. Um, but the problem was that now I was faced with a choice, right? Do I do I sacrifice time with my family or do I live up to this this you know um, this you know commitment that I made? to to uh to do this podcast every single day right and and what i on reflecting about this i realized that like you know if i were to try to force myself somehow like even if we went to the movies and then when we came home you know we get home around 8 30 and then it's like time for the kids to get to bed so like i would have to either you know withdraw from that whole process and or or stay up late and then maybe be not as quite as productive in the morning or not quite as present with my kids in the morning at any rate at some point something would have had to have been sacrificed okay in the interest of keeping to this you know rule that I set for myself and 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 my initial reaction was that I was very disappointed in myself that that I had deleted this file you know it was an accident obviously it you know wasn't something I did on purpose and wasn't something I wanted to have happen you know, but still I was like, I was, I was feeling like, oh man, you blew it, dude. Like, you know, now, now we got to make up for it somehow. And, uh, and that's when it kind of dawned on me that, wait a second, I am engaging in a level of judgment that I, you know, that that the very practice I do tells me to stay away from. Right. And it was like an aha moment a little bit. Um, Because like I said, even though I always consider the non-judging aspect of of you know of mindfulness to be really applied to the actual practice of mindfulness. Here I was engaging in a level of judgment upon myself and criticizing myself, which which like was bringing a level of anxiety to me. And so therefore, I was fighting my own uh, mindfulness practices in the very act of trying to record a mindfulness podcast. So it was like a really, really great reminder of, for me. Um, you know, fortunately, my mindfulness uh, practices kicked in and I was able to see this. Okay, I was able to be aware of what was happening here and I was able to see that I was, I was acting in this, you know, aversive, um, you know, and judgmental and, and, uh, and critical way. And and, and to know that that's not what I wanted to be and know that that, that is counterintuitive to, to the, the mindfulness practices that not only do I talk about, but, but I actually practice on my own. And so, so, so even though the, 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 um, the, the episode that I had published or tried to publish on Saturday had to do with judgment, but it was really quick. And now I realize, wow, there's so much more I could expand on here because, you know, again, the judgment is what leads to the, uh, to the criticism. And the judgment also is what leads to the, uh, to the inability to forgive. Okay. Now, whether that's forgiving yourself or forgiving others. Okay. And this is a huge deal. Okay. Um, recently in my program, I did a, uh, a, a presentation on this, uh, for my clients and, um, in which I talked about, uh, a lot of studies that have been done over the years, uh, you know, scientific, you know, real, real solid, uh, scientific experiments and studies that have been done, uh, regarding forgiveness. And, and it's, and it's been shown through several of these different studies that, um, that people who are not willing to forgive, okay, they, 
they it, it affects them on a physical level. Okay, so not just you know, it's not just an emotional thing at that point. It's not just like, oh, you're you're an angry, unforgiving person and that's going to make you suffer a little bit. No, no, I'm talking about on a very physical, physiological level, okay? So there was, there's been uh, studies that, that, uh, that monitored people's, um, you know, heart rate, blood pressure, um, uh, cortisol levels, and, and uh, all kinds of other things in, in several different studies that I, that I researched for this presentation. And, and in, across the board, okay, I mean across the board, it has been shown that, that people who are unwilling to forgive, whether it's forgiving someone else for doing something to them or figure, forgiving themselves for doing something that either hurt someone else or, or had just let themselves down somehow, these, these physiological markers were present and were, uh, were, were, you know, like, so, so in other words, people's blood pressure and heart rate were higher and, um, because they were unable, unwilling to forgive. And then what happens is when you're in a place where you're not willing to forgive yourself or, or forgive another, you know, every time you think about that, you're, you're releasing a level of cortisol into your system, which is then increasing your blood pressure, increasing your heart rate, you know, doing all these, you know, uh, really not great things to your body. And, and so you might think of, of a, of a given situation in which like, like for, again, for example, again, if it was on Saturday night with me doing this, this podcast and, and, you know, just fumbling and somehow erasing the file, Every time I think about that, I re-inject another uh, dose of cortisol into my body, which then makes my body more tense, my blood pressure go up, um, you know, basically, you know, puts me at risk of disease and all kinds of other stuff. And every time I think of that, which could be 20 times in a day, I'm going to re reactivate that cortisol and that norepinephrine and that adrenaline into my body. And, and so that's where it becomes really, really important for us to be able to forgive, okay? And um, and here's a really crazy one, okay? There's another study that was done by a, um, uh, or some work done by a, a doctor in the burn unit in uh, New Orleans. And um, and what he was able to see with his, working with his patients who, and these are people who had like really bad burns and needed uh, skin grafts and, uh, and all kinds of, you know, it was like really, really, bad stuff. Now, now, the thing about people in burn situations are there's almost always a level of anger involved with it or, or a level of unforgiveness involved with it because it's either a condition of, uh, you know, whether an employer or a, another homeowner or a, a city, you know, kind of situation created an environment for them to be burned or it was their own mistake, which they have a hard time, you know, uh, re- you know, forgiving themselves about. And, you know, and so he was able to sh- to see through through years and years of working with burn unit uh, patients that if if he could get people to uh, to to actually forgive. Now, now that doesn't mean that that these people were not. You know, he even was very specific of saying like you can still pursue legal damages, but but forgive at the same time. You can still be angry but forgive at the same time. And just the ability for these people to consider forgiveness, okay? And again, he, he mapped it out over years. And, and the people who were able to even consider forgiveness required an average of a one to four ratio 
of skin grafts, okay? In other words, someone who's willing to forgive gets one skin graft, whereas someone who's unwilling to forgive and, and just harbors this anger, this, this you know, notion of non-forgiving would take four times the amount of skin grafts because their bodies were rejecting the new skin that was put onto their body. Okay, so so it's it's literally a physical thing that's happening to you when you're not able to forgive. Okay, now again, the physical, you know, the the, the forgiving and the the criticism all stem from the ability to judge or not to judge. Okay, so so if you're if you're unforgiving of someone for for having you know created a condition in which you you were burned very badly. It is the judgment of that that creates the unforgiveness, okay? And so therefore, if you're able to, you know, not pass judgment on people for whatever it is they're doing and for yourself, then you are going to physically, you know, increase your level of health and your ability to be healthy. And so to me, that is just like mind blowing because again, we, we, you know, we, we can always think about like, oh, I should be a good person. Like even, you know, there's a lot of religious uh, connotations to forgiveness, like, or, or to judgment rather where, you know, like, uh, you know, we are not to judge only, you know, God can judge, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, and that's all very true. And that's, and on a physical, uh, philosophical level and on a, on a theological level, that makes a lot of sense. But it's staggering at the, the level of uh, physiological effects that judging and, and, the, and the byproducts of judging, which are criticism and unforgiveness, or their opposites, you know, the, the physiological effects that this has on us. Okay, so bringing this back to mindfulness, it is when we're sitting in the practice of mindfulness or, or you know, like when we're in meditation or we're, we're washing dishes and our mind wanders, it's, it's the ability and the practice of the ability to, to not judge ourselves when our mind starts wandering, but to simply, you know, kindly and gently bring it back to what we're doing and to, to, to what we're trying to do that, that develops this mental habit of non-judging. Okay, and that's what we're talking about. I've mentioned I've mentioned mental habits throughout these podcasts uh, so many times that people probably roll their eyes every time I say it now. But that's what we're talking about, right? So, like, like if you sit every day for ten minutes a day meditating, and if you you apply, you know, a moment to moment non judging awareness every time you go to wash dishes, or you take a shower, or you brush your teeth, or or you walk around your office, if you can incorporate mindfulness into all these activities that you do over and over and over and you can put in the forefront of your mind the idea that when you slip it's important to not judge then sooner or later even the most distracted and self-absorbed people are going to to create a habit out of this wherein they they stop judging and and it becomes an instinct to not judge and and it is that instinct that is actually could very well 
play a role in your physical health and, and literally the longevity of your existence and your life. Okay. So like if you, you know, for instance, like now if I was to get burned, <laughs> you know, and I had to go to the hospital and get a skin graft, most likely I would be someone who would excel a lot faster than, than another person who didn't know how to, how to limit their judging on a, on a habitual level and, and therefore become like a default kind of thing. Like I don't have to work at it so much, you know? Um, so anyway, that's, that's sort of the, the gist of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, I hope that makes sense to everyone. Uh, like I said, we, we cover this a lot in my program. So uh, reach out if you want, artburnsmiles at gmail.com. Uh, find me on the Mindfulness with Art uh, uh, Facebook uh, page and, um, and get in touch. I love to talk to people. I love to hear from new people. And, um, and I love to talk about this stuff, obviously. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, if this, if this resonates with you at all, or, or if you feel like you have trouble with this idea of judgment and, and harboring, you know, resentment or harboring criticism or, or, you know, or, or, you know, anger and, and, and non-forgiveness. And, and this is, you know, whether it's directed towards yourself or other people in your life or just people in general in the world, you know, there, there's very, very simple ways to help this, and it doesn't take long, okay? I promise you, it does not take long. You're talking about, um, you know, weeks, not months, maybe even days before you can develop a mental habit, which can, you know, again, increase your health <laughs> and increase your ability um, to be resilient both on an emotional level and a physical level. All right. So um, thanks again for tuning in, folks. And uh, and I, I can't wait to be back tomorrow. You know, I think maybe we'll talk about a Monday through Friday thing at this point so that uh, so that I don't have to get into a position where I'm challenging my ability to, to uh, express non-judging to myself um, just because the weekends do get crazy. And I do like to be present with my family on the weekends because that's the time that we have set aside. Um, and that's another thing that I'll talk about at some point. Um, you know, a lot of times we 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 have a a way of, of being uh, physically present with our, our family while we're thinking about work and we're, we're trying to like think that we're doing some favor for everybody by working harder. Um, but again, what that does is that takes away the happiness that you have with your family and the happiness that they have with you. And we'll get more into that in another episode. So, so that said, uh, thank you again for tuning in and uh, I wish you well, folks. Take care.